Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back. It's the latest episode of the Book of Joe podcast, and it is World Series time, Joe Madden. We got. We don't have our picks. I think we both had the Phillies going all the way. We've got the Arizona Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers. I, I find me somebody who picked this World Series. Forget about before the year started, even three weeks ago. How about this one? Uh, readjust our thinking completely. But as you're watching it, obviously it becomes believable. I mean, the way the Diamondbacks sashayed back into uh, Citizens Bank Park and win two games, and and actually looked confident doing it. That was really. The part that impressed me, they looked okay the moment it started. Uh, they're young players, absolutely uh, ready for the situation. And on the other side, Texas, um, again, being down by a two. And then, again, the, the weirdness about the Astros in their home ballpark, they come back and they win two more. So I, I think it's going to be a really uh, uh, kind of an evenly matched series. It's going to be interesting to watch the whole thing, obviously. But uh, both teams deserve it. I'm happy for both sides. I think it's great. Yeah, we are definitely going to get into breaking down the matchup, Texas and Arizona. And there's some managerial news that we want to talk about as well. But first, let's say goodbye to the couple of teams uh, who left here, Philadelphia and Houston. Uh, Joe, it's kind of amazing to think that Philadelphia goes home with a three games to two lead in that ballpark where they've had so much success and they can't win a game against Arizona and they're home. Uh, when I looked at the final game there, at least, it may be true throughout some of their losses, they just didn't move the baseball. They didn't move runners on base. And Arizona did a tremendous job. I mean, a tremendous job of ABC baseball, of getting guys over, getting them in. Uh, their speed definitely showed up. There's no question about that. I thought, I thought the biggest pitch of the game, Joe, Kyle Schwarber leads off. I forget what inning it was with a double. Philadelphia is down two. They're getting a crowd back in the game because the thick of the order is coming up. He's on second base, nobody out, and Trey Turner comes up at bat. He tries to bunt first pitch. Really good idea. You know his job right there is get that guy over no matter what you have to do. Fouled it off. It wasn't a terrible bunt. Didn't look really that comfortable, but fouled it off up the first baseline. Next pitch, Joe Mantiply throws a perfect pitch to get a rollover ground ball, which is a slow-breaking curveball, and Trey Turner rolls over, grounds out to third, and Schwarber stays at second. It's just a complete empty out at a time you couldn't have an empty at bat, and uh, and then two fly balls later, Schwarber's still on second base, innings over. And I watched Arizona just put bunts down. 
Um, Corbin Carroll, oh my goodness, what a ball player. He has that huge sack fly at Alvarado with two strikes. Just battle, battle, battle to get him in. Scoring from second on a bullet face hit with two outs to right field. Harper made a terrific play cutting that ball off because you can't throw out Corbin Carroll at the plate. I don't care how hard the ball's hit or how small right field is. Uh, so to me, Joe, that showed up in that game where Arizona just, they're a tremendous base running team. They dropped the sacrifice bunt. I think it was Perdomo who got it down. They stole a base. Everything that, moving up 90 feet, um, they need, they did that when they needed to, and Philadelphia didn't. Yeah, you're talking about uh, fundamental baseball, offensively speaking, and uh, that's something that has to be nurtured. You saw the, I saw a lot of the, um, indications there that uh, on the screen where uh, the the Phillies home runs were primarily solo shots and a lot of that you know you're they're all going up there trying to do that pretty consistently there's not a, a, a consistent team concept about the way they play offense now I'm not here to denigrate that it took them that far no question but um, this time of the year when you do need to manufacture stuff based on the other team's pitching and just the fact that you're not always good you just don't pitchers throw home runs you just don't always get the pitch you need or want in order to hit a homer, and they're just not present. So you just don't hit homers uh, when pitchers really make good pitches. So the the way the, the Diamondbacks designed their team, and I would bet, talking about all this, I, of course I wasn't there, but I would bet that their pregames a lot of time during the course of the season included things like bunting, bunting for hits, sacrifice bunting, uh, moving a runner. You just don't do those things um, all of a sudden when you get to this time of the year if you have not been either working on them during the year or uh, making it uh, an emphasis during the season to actually do it in the game. Because they did it very relatively easily like they do it all the time. Base running, my goodness. Uh, to me, that was always the number one thing to be instructed and encouraged in every instructional league I ever worked in, every spring training I ever attended, including up to my last one with the Angels. You're just trying to really emphasize base running, putting out you know, every spring, you want to go through uh, this this uh, uh, method. Uh, everything you consider important about base running needs to be talked about over and over again annually because what happens is you go to the back of your mind, you forget certain little things, and as a coach, even as a coach, you need to bring it back to the front of your mind, get it back out there, tour of the bases. That's what we used to do. We used to do tour of the bases with the Angels back in the day. The uh, instructor would start at home plate, take you to first base. From first, he'd take you to second. Second, he take you to third, and third, he take you to home. And on top of that, during batting practice, you would actually get on the bases and consciously really try to work uh, your leads, your secondary leads, what, looking for a ball in the dirt, practicing uh, your first move on a steal, jumps, hit and run, run around third base, your first move on contact. All this stuff needs to be nurtured during the season. If that's what you're looking for, and I I, I don't know this, but I, would, I mean, uh, Dave McKay at first base, I believe that that's part of what you're seeing in regards to how well they're running the bases. It just doesn't happen because you're fast. Long answer, but uh, fundamentally, and that's what I think Tori's been talking about, the way the Diamondbacks play baseball. It's been written a thousand years ago, the, the first, how to do this. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's just diligent work. You get your players to buy into it so that they actually practice in a method that's going to carry over to the game and not just give you lip service, just, just going through the motions. But you get you can't have that in order to get to the level that they're at. And so again, they're young. They probably listened. They probably did the work, and that's what I'm seeing. That's a great point, Joe. I mean, clearly that's part of their DNA, that there's buy-in, that there's there's work that goes into it. It doesn't happen by accident. On the other hand, I saw Philadelphia and, and listen, not to pick on Dusty Wathen, but he must have got somebody thrown out the plate once because he's very conservative over there. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to send Bryce and Stott in that two-out single to yeah. left field. I think it was two outs or one out. I, I don't know why he held him up, but he did. The bottom of the order is coming up behind. If you've got Harper coming up, I get it. Uh, and they wound up with bases loaded, two outs, and that kid Rojas at the plate. Yep. Uh, listen, he's a great defender, but my goodness, he is literally an automatic out in the batter's box. There's no way I give him in that bet. I know it's early in the game, but you've got Pache, who's just every bit the defender uh, that Rojas is. I, I just can't give up with bases loaded there, that at bat. And it's like having a pitcher bet in the National League at this point. It's a young kid. You know, He was not going to move the baseball. I'm sorry. Um, and you don't want to hit guys that early in the game. I know you were up one at that point, but um, just a, a you know a, in a bat there that somebody else has to take, whether it's Jake Cave or you know even Pache, 
somebody has to take that at bat. I just thought that was a lost opportunity for Philadelphia to break the game open a little bit. It's there's no tomorrow, man. There's things you have to do, and um, I I thought the same thing in the moment. Uh, to your point about sending the runner, the one thing analytics does like, because uh, I had this with the Cubs, and I thought it was actually pretty good. For instance, uh, if you have a runner on third base and there's one out and there's a fly ball hit to the outfield and it's relatively shallow, not your typical deep fly ball, especially if an outfielder is moving laterally, send him at third base. So that was with Butter Brian Butterfield. We talked about that a lot to send him. That's the time. And again, like you're saying, batting order, part of the batting order who's on deck, who's in hole. All this stuff is absolutely germane. But on this play, we sent him uh, based on that. So this, the ball caught as a second out and now the third out could possibly be at home plate, but we're willing to take that chance. It's no different on the ground ball like you're talking about with two outs, especially with the Rojas. And then, and furthermore, if you want to extrapolate further, the fact that the pinch hitting options weren't that great either. So, yes, uh, the two-out mentality with base runners and the score, and um, uh, it's got to be something, you know, signed third base coach to the runner. Um, uh, at second base, as an example, listen, two outs, man, we're going here. We're going. And I want you to know that base that we're going and you start pointing at different spots in the outfield. Now, obviously, if there's something so blatantly you're going to be out by 30 feet, of course, you don't send them. But if it's a bang banger at that point, you got to go. And these are the, also these are parts of the conversation uh, that that's, this is like a part of a pre-series meeting to me that's important. Remember, guys, listen, we get in this situation, two outs, that short sacrifice fly ball. I'm going to send you be ready. You, know, you talk about that run around second base, two outs. You know, bottom of the batting, I mean, you can say just like that, you're not being offensive. Be ready to go. And these are the kind of conversations that make a difference. And again, I don't know, but I would bet dollars to donuts. That's part of the pre-series meetings with the Diamondbacks. Good stuff. Now let's say goodbye to the Houston Astros. I mean, you have to give them credit, obviously. Seven straight LCS is just an amazing run. They've kept this train going here, but it, it came to a dead halt again. This is a team, the higher-seeded team in both LCS has lost games six and seven. One win away from the World Series, couldn't win a game at home. In Houston's case, it's been a story all year long. It's the weirdest thing I've seen, Joe. It's a very good team, obviously, but a losing record at home in the regular season and just never looked comfortable at home. They lost all four games at Minute Maid Park. Um, it's just amazing. They just don't hit at home. That game got away from them early. They never got it back. Jordan Montgomery came in and just settled a game that looked like it was going to be a 10-9 to game. But what do you make of, uh, of Houston not being able to hit at home, especially here in the postseason? It's a conversation. I, I Listen, I had the same thing from Angel players when we were there. Um, about the hitting background, and sometimes it does impact them, it affects them, and they don't see the ball as well. I've heard that before. So going into this, we had talked about it before. Um, the one thing that to me stood out was the fact that they had a losing record at home. What does that mean based on their history with the trash can banging? Maybe that was part of it at that point because they weren't seeing the ball, but we really need to know what's coming, to what to look for. The ball probably pops out somehow. When it's thrown, it pops high maybe and gets into an area that the ball blends into the background as opposed to the greener background, and then it comes back certain pitches. Um, it's tough. Uh, bad hitting backgrounds or bad hitting backgrounds that bother you. Legit, and I know I heard Derek Jeter talk about this in the pregame with uh, Fox, that you just, uh, you just got to figure out how to do it. And obviously, it didn't bother Texas as much, which it's really hard to understand, but I think it got into their heads. There was a lot of conversation about it. They kept going back and forth about it. And that's what I meant when I said early on, they're, they're talking. I don't know what they're talking about, but there's something among the group that there's something fishy in Denmark kind of a thing. I don't know. So anyhow, uh, it's inexplainable. Other than that, it'd be interesting to go up there with a camera or two or just stand there with a pitching machine, have it throw different pitches and see uh, what don't you see, <laughs> as a matter of fact. What do you see? Well, what don't you see? Tall right-handed pitcher, tall left-handed pitcher. Where's the ball come? Jordan Montgomery coming from the left there. Uh, how do they see him? It's, it differs. It differs with the width, the arm angles, the arm stroke, the background itself, because you get out of the green, you get out of the black, and all of a sudden you get into these literally gray areas of the hitting background, and it becomes more difficult. So I think that's I – don't, I don't think it's any more uh, complicated than that. It was, it was a thing with them. And look at uh, Altuve. He seemed to not in short. I mean, does he see higher? All these things play into it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think they're crazy if they don't readjust that batter's eye in center field. Yeah, now, about yeah. three or four weeks ago, 
they did take an ad that was in center field, a little bit to the right field side of the main batter's mm-hmm. eye, and painted over it. It was a beer side. It was red and white. They painted over that, had made that panel green. Okay. That's an indication to you right there that something's not right. right. When you see an in-change, in-season change yeah. with a batter's eye in center field, uh, something's wrong. Listen, I've stood behind the plate in both ballparks, Minute Maid and Globe Life Field. There's a huge difference. The one at Globe Life Field is one of the nicest ones in baseball. It is probably, I want to say 50, I'm not exaggerating, about 50 yards longer than the one. Yeah. It's higher. It's a, it's a deeper color. The one at Minute Maid is a lighter green. Uh, there's all kinds of just kind of distractions around the batter's eye. It's not a clean look. It's too small. I mean, listen, as you said, Texas hit there. I get it. But it, it maybe it became a mental thing for Houston. I just think that the tip-off was they painted over a panel. Players are definitely not comfortable. Maybe it does get in their heads. Um, you know, listen, I've talked to enough of the Astros. They they love, love, love the, the batter's eye at Globe Life Field. There's no question about it. Uh, Alex Bregman also told me that it's tougher to hit at Minute Maid because there's no gaps. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and you have huge gaps at Globe Life. But, um, listen, I think the better team won the series. Texas's lineup is just on fire right now. It is just so deep. And I looked at that Houston lineup, and I'm sorry, but, you know, Kyle Tucker just disappeared. It just He lost his confidence and never got it back. It's weird, Joe, when you have a really good player, and he's a very good player, um, who's played in the postseason before, who lost his confidence and never got it back. He was just feeling for the baseball. It looked like the same thing with Castellanos with the Phillies. Uh, it just There was no conviction behind the stroke at all. And the same with uh, Jeremy Pena. Just the bottom of that Houston lineup just disappeared. They made it too easy for, for Texas to get through it. And on the other side, Houston had so much trouble getting through the Texas lineup in a clean inning, no matter where they were. So give credit to the Rangers. Offensively, it was a mismatch, as it turned out, where Texas just was a lot deeper. Human beings, man. Um, you know, you're up, you're down as a baseball player. Um, how do you feel? How how are you seeing the ball? What does your timing uh, feel like? Does the ball look big? Does it look small? Is it getting on you? Does it take forever to get there? All these things happen. They just they just do. And when that ball looks huge and it takes forever to get to you, you're killing it. And at times it looks like a peony ocean. And it's on you before you, it's like the, when you're, when you get that nightmare, you're sleeping at night and all of a sudden here comes that nightmare, that dream. And literally you got like the six, 10 pitcher standing five feet in front of you and just pretty much reaching out into the catcher's mitt. No chance. It just happens. It happens. It happens that way. I, I don't know how to explain it. Nobody really does, but it does. And uh, it's unfortunate. The timing of it was so bad for Nikki and for Tucker. I mean, Tucker to me, man, you're right. I listen when this guy, he, they kept hitting him sixth while I was there, and even went against the Cubs. And I think, damn, I, this guy should be higher up in the batting order. But it was based on the fact that the front of him was so darn good too. He is that good. He will be back. He'll 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 make his re, remake his mark, whatever. But it's just funny, man. It happens, and it just happens. Sometimes it happens at the wrong time. Well, we wound up with an interesting World Series. The Arizona Diamondbacks had a negative run differential in the regular season. They're in the World Series. It's the it's the worst run differential since the 87 Twins. And then you have the Texas Rangers, who in the course of the season had more blown saves than saves. The first team ever to do that to get here to the World Series. We'll break it down for you. Who do you like, Diamondbacks or Rangers? We'll be right back after this quick message. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P.com slash Book of Joe. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. All right, Joe, it's the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, the World Series nobody saw coming. I will tell you this, though, Joe, I, I say this every year in spring training, that the way baseball is now, every year since the wild card began, except one year, there's been at least one team, and on average two, that makes the playoffs coming off a losing season from the year before. So every year I try to identify which two teams are going to break through that had a losing season one year, playoffs the next year. It just happens. The game turns over a lot quickly. And I picked the Diamondbacks and the and the Rangers. And listen, I didn't think they were going to the World Series, but I saw upsides with both teams. Uh, and now this is what happens when you get to the World Series. You got two hot teams. So let's break it down, Joe. What do you expect from this World Series, Diamondbacks, Rangers? Well, um, what do I expect? First of all, from the Diamondback perspective, I expect you to see we're going to see the same team we saw uh, the last several games against the um, – the Phillies. And furthermore, you go back even into that series with the two games that they lost, the Phillies did in, in Arizona, where uh, Kimbrell really had a difficult time at the end. That's That, to me, would stick to me pretty hard. But regardless of that, the fact that the Diamondbacks come back in these games, the Diamondbacks have come back and won postseason playoff games. That's not easy to do. And that and that just either screams that from uh, they're just so young and naive that things don't bother them or they just got this wonderful uh, focus and the ability to stay in the moment. But for those reasons, I mean, and, and how they're playing right now, I find them really fascinating. And uh, I think you're going to see a continuation of that. On the other side, the starting pitching for um, the Rangers up front is really nice. But after that, it's it's kind of a, a flip of the coin other than, I mean, Scherzer really hasn't shown that he's well yet. and uh, But the other two guys have done really, really good. But I think one of them is going to, there's going to be a hiccup in there at some point. So, uh, you know, the, the Rangers are going to continue to play that same kind of ball. But right now, you just you just addressed it earlier, and I was wrote a little bit of a note with the Diamondbacks. Um, are they designed for this time of the year? Hmm. Uh, the fact that they're playing that kind of a game where uh, the other team pitches well, they still can circumvent that somehow. Are they going to be able to circumvent how well Evaldi's been pitching and Montgomery has been pitching? Because they will do different things. They're not just going to try to go up there and bludgeon uh, these pitchers because they know that they can't. And so we got plan B in place too. Um, so I hear that phrase so often designed to play the short series this time of the year. What does that mean? Definitely the Diamondbacks pitching um, has really shown me a lot more than I had known. Uh, some guys had really had not seen a lot. I didn't even know about they've done really well. Um, so honestly, I, I do believe overall, overall right now, this moment in time, um, that I, I like the way the Diamondbacks are playing baseball and that they can figure out different ways to get on top and then stay on top. And furthermore, if they do get down, dang, they've, they've shown an ability to come back in the postseason. I like all of those characteristics. 
Um, catcher for uh, Texas throws well, throws well, but they will attempt to take advantage of the right pitchers. I could go on and on. I think I like the Diamondbacks' ability to 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 do things, score score runs, run the bases, move runners, um, in a, in an old-fashioned way, best way I could say it. And then their pitching is definitely strong enough, I think. And don't forget the uh, Danny Heron factor in the background. That's a great point. Danny Heron, a run prevention specialist for the Diamondbacks, and you have to use that in tandem with the great Brent Strom, 75-year-old pitching coach. How about that, by the way? In this series, you've got Brent Strom at 75 and Mike Maddox in his 21st year as a pitching coach. You think about experience and how that matters on a coaching staff. Uh, Wow. Both teams really benefit from two of the best in my book in the game, Mm -hmm. and and you'll watch – Every key moment in this game, and it could be first in these games, first inning, ninth inning, it doesn't matter. Those pitching coaches are on the mound in key spots, guiding their guys through the game, and most often they get they, they get the next batter out. I mean, it's just amazing with these two guys, and, they, and you can see they take control of these mound meetings. So I love that. I, I think both teams will be prepared. I'm with you. I think Arizona is sort of well-built for this time of year, especially because late in the year they figured out their bullpen. Uh, it's just amazing. Ginkle is throwing his slider right now like he didn't all year long. I mean, he's got so much depth to it now. He's got so much confidence. This is the guy they sent down to the minor leagues in June. Uh, Saul Frank, the lefty, can just flip his breaking ball pitch after pitch after pitch, his confidence in that pitch. Seawald was picked up in a trade late in the year from Seattle. Uh, He's got that rider fastball that just plays. He's a strike thrower. I love that fact with the closer. So they've got pieces now. It's a different bullpen. They really, it reminds me of 19 Nationals who redid their bullpen in the course of a season. The overall numbers were not good for their pen, but it was a different bullpen by the time they got to October. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about Zach Gallen. He's a great pitcher, don't get me wrong, but he's at 232 innings for the season. Yeah, his, his curveball has gone missing here in the postseason. He, he's a guy who gets hit on first pitches, loves to throw first pitch strikes, but uh, the batting average is over 400. Texas has just been killing first pitches, and obviously it starts with Corey Seager, but they all jump on that. That's an interesting matchup there, the Texas aggressiveness against a strike thrower like Gallon. Um, Brandon fought, man. He, that ball just jumps out of his hand. I know he's basically a four- or five-inning pitcher, but tremendous confidence in him, which, you know, he's kind of been an X-factor for them. So a lot of good things are happening at the right time for Arizona. I do agree this looks like a long series, Joe. I, I can't see any team jumping out there in four or five games. Uh, you mentioned the Texas depth of their starting rotation. I think that is an issue, whether it's Scherzer or Heaney or Dunning. You know, it's just it's kind of like we need to score runs to win games if you're Texas when those guys are on the mound. Montgomery, rock solid. Avaldi, uh, rock solid. Both guys I like in the postseason, Joe, because they're four-pitch guys, not two-pitch guys, and they have command of all four pitches. So they don't pitch the patterns. They can beat you with different pitches. Those are tough matchups for the Diamondbacks. So, you know, I'm listen, I'm hedging here because I do think it's an even series. Arizona has really impressed me, and I do think the running game is going to play. I think Texas does a better job than Philadelphia at defending it, but that's that's how Arizona plays. They're going to push the envelope. They're an extremely athletic team. They're a young team. Uh, we used to say, Joe, in the postseason, and, and you had a young team with 16 Cubs, uh, we used to say, you know, lean on experience in the postseason, right? I don't think that's the case anymore. These young guys, they hit the ground running. They're not afraid of anything. Uh, the bright lights, the third deck of the stadium, postseason quote-unquote pressure. If you watched Arizona play, they played fast and loose, literally fast and loose. So uh, I, I like the attitude they bring into the series. Yeah, I think the important thing there is to to not be concerned or afraid about making a mistake and don't change what you're doing now as compared to what you had done during the regular season. Uh, fortune favors the bowl. That's the one thing um, I used to try to get across. I remember in t- 2008, um, uh, Fernando Perez came up with the line. He, remember when he scored on that, that sacrifice fly ball? Um, J.D. Drew caught it down the uh, right field line. Foul territory, not that deep. And here comes uh, Fernando, and he scores, we win. And he coined the phrase, we err on the side of aggressiveness. And that's the one thing that I really want to – all my teams to embrace, and that team really did. That team was fearless. That 2008 race team was absolutely fearless. So um, I see those qualities uh, with the Diamondbacks right now. The more that I've been had a, 
have had an opportunity to watch them. So the, the threat there is always that you become more conservative, don't want to make mistakes. Let's not take the same chances when you get to this time of the year. And that to me is a, a huge trap that you'll never, again, I've talked about this, you're never going to get that brass ring by, by backing off right now. Just keep the pedal down, pedal to the metal, play the same game, take the same chances, which when I say chances, these are calculated risks or chances based on your reconnaissance and your players' abilities and what to do. So I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's who they are. On the other side, uh, you talk about the Rangers. Um, yeah, Seager. Seager. Uh, I know what uh, Garcia did, but Seager's the guy for me. Um, he, God, he the guy doesn't miss his pitch. And I'm watching this and they're trying to, you know, I don't know if they're trying to sneak or just miss location sometimes, but I, I wouldn't mess with him the whole series. I would frustrate him the whole series, I think. And I would put the emphasis or make sure that the other guys do beat us. I think he's that good. Lefties or righties, it doesn't matter. And the other guy is low when you talk about lefties or righties. This guy hits lefties, and this they need to protect the left field line against him. Um, he dumps a lot of balls on that side. He's, uh, he's a frustrating hitter uh, to, to defend against. And I, I think, yeah, he reminds me of Eric Hosmer, by the yeah. way, you almost have to try to make him to pull the baseball yeah. to get him out of his comfort Correct. zone. That's a good call. Correct. So there's all these little, little things that are going on that um, I think are quite interesting with that team. Tavares, really interesting player, the catcher, uh, Texas Heim. He's really come up. And how about the catcher with the Diamondbacks? Wow. I mean, I look at that dude's eyes when he comes up to the plate and was it Moreno, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's Gabby Moreno. Yeah, he's. I'm telling you, man. I mean, so this this is we really dig down. These are some really interesting players, and there's lots, like you said, a lot of youth on both sides that is really serving this uh, well. And uh, I, they're not going to be afraid. They're these these, like I said, if you come back in playoff games, you're not afraid. You're not intimidated. You stay in the present tense. I I saw uh, Corbin Carroll an interview uh, on video. My God. He's what, 20, what is he, 20-something, 20 four or five, whatever it is? Not at all when he speaks, not at all. So there's these guys are fine. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to ask you this. You brought up Seager. To me, when I look at a series a lot of times, I think, you know, which piece do you want to take off the board? Usually there's one guy in a lineup you need to circle and say, this guy is not beating us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garcia right now, obviously, tremendously hot. I mean, he's on an incredible streak. He's got 20 RBIs already in the postseason. There is some swing and miss in this game. I get that. Yep. Uh, but he is a dangerous, dangerous hitter right now. And by the way, I think hopefully even you are convinced now that the pitch from Abreu was not intentional. Um, <laughs> he's got a beef with Maldonado. That was what it was about. It wasn't about the pitch. Okay. Uh, but I give MLB credit, though, because I, I thought they were going to have a situation where they were taking a guy off the field for a game seven of an LCS. They deferred it to next season. They got it right in the end. I don't know why they had to rush to have a hearing to suspend a guy for next year, but they did. And uh, bottom line is they got it right. They did the right thing. Didn't affect the game. So we're good about that. But yeah, Seager Garcia. I'm with you on Seager. When I saw him hit a home run on a first pitch fastball up, I was like, are you kidding me? How does that happen? That's like, you know, doing it to Altuve. I'm with you. I I would throw him a tremendous amount of curveballs, chase curveballs. Don't try to think you're going to sneak anything by him. He is ready to hit from the time he wakes up in the morning. And you're right. He doesn't miss a pitch. But I think you got to account for Garcia right now, too, Joe. I think he's that dangerous right now. He's he's a bright lights kind of guy. I think he likes this atmosphere. Um, He actually reminds me of Randy Rosarena, his buddy. They were roommates together in the Cardinal system. How about that? Rosarena and Garcia in the Cardinal system together as roommates, and they basically let both of them go for nothing. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. And then on Arizona, I look and I say, who's the guy you really have to take off the board? To me, it's Carroll. Um, he's just, I don't want to see that guy up there because if he gets on base, you know, it's a fire drill. Uh, everybody's on edge once he gets on base. He's the best base runner I think I've seen this year. I know Dela Cruz at Cincinnati is just amazingly probably literally the fastest guy in baseball but Corbin Carroll the way he's aggressive the way he cuts the bases I I just think he's got that Ricky Henderson factor where you start missing pitches you speed up your delivery I mean he can affect a game just by getting on base so I'm gonna go with Garcia as the guy I really need to control at least from the onset I need to stop him in his tracks don't keep him hot uh I just basically wouldn't pitch to to Seager and then on the other side to me it's Carroll yeah, it's, you're talking about two guys on each team, which I kind of I totally agree with. 
uh, with Seeger, he showed me in Baltimore that he was willing to accept his walks because they, but the way Baltimore pitched him when they weren't challenging him, the the, uh, the balls were really non-competitive pitches. I think with him, you need to make more tantalizing pitches that are not good, uh, meaning not a strike, uh, you know, strike the ball kind of pitches and not just ball out of your hand, ball the weight kind of pitches because I, I would really want to test his patience. I really would want him to become exaggerated, ex- exasperated with the uh, fact that we're not pitching to him, A. So that's Seager for me. Garcia, on the other hand, I think he's going to be very eager, and I would test his patience. I would stay um, strike ball on him as much as I possibly can. I would, you know, fastballs uh, elevated, elevated, and I think that's the right place to go with him also. Um, so Seager... Yeah, I just I just don't want to mess with him at all. Garcia going to find out early if he carried over into this series, and then me you might have to make an adjustment. But he's he's Chase. I would I would want Chase, Chase, Chase. You want to get ahead and go into Chase mode with him. Um, I believe that's how I'd go look at him. The other guys, Moreno and Carroll. Um, see, I agree. I mean, Carroll's just good. He's just really good, and he's a pain in the butt in all the best ways. And uh, he's going to accept his you know his hits and like he did that base hit up the middle against. Um, Suarez yesterday or the day before. He's that guy. He's just really a bright baseball player. Moreno, to me, is scary. Um, he's got this look, man, and I tell you, when he gets hot, looks like he uh, he really gets uh, more involved mentally. Uh, so what do you do? You take both of them away? It's probably difficult to do that. Um, I, I still think Moreno, in a big moment, is there's there comes the home runner ball in a gap off the wall. Carol, I think the ball is going to be moved. So um, scary-wise, Moreno and Seager, but just be careful what you're doing with Carol and Garcia. I just think it's so much fun, Joe, that the things we talk about with these two pennant-winning teams are things that, you know, let's face it, uh, had gone away for a while in this game. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, you know, being able to steal bases, run the bases, get a bunt down, get a guy in. Um, You know, the veterans on on the coaching staffs, especially the pitching coaches, um, who just don't live by a formula. It's just great to see this kind of baseball. Uh, and I think both Chris Young and Mike Hazen have done just an amazing job with both organizations to be open to different ways to win a ball game, to put staffs together. Um, you know, the really cool thing is obviously both are from Princeton. Um, Chris Young went to Princeton on his recruiting visit that he met the captain of the team, the senior captain that year, and that was Mike Hazen. Uh, they've been really close all these years. And uh, I just love, I mean, I I walked into the Rangers camp at spring training this year and I felt it. And listen, again, I don't know that they're going to be a World Series team, but in talking to Chris Young, seeing the way they were doing things, my goodness, Mike Maddox had the strings set up on the bullpen mounts. Remember those strings that teams would set up? I mean, I hadn't seen those in years. Um, and he, you know, he hired Dayton Moore, he hired Nick Hundley, he hired Mike Maddox. He, he brought in these guys with a lot of experience and listen, they've got all the bells and whistles in terms of technology and analytics. There's no question about it. But he also understands there's a feel. And yeah. Who's got better feel than Bruce Bochy, the manager of this team? Tori Lovello is an old school soul. It's just cool to see. You know, Last thing on that, Joe, Chris Young, I asked him about how they distill analytical information. And he said he makes sure that he tells his analysts one guy is going to present the information. He said, I don't want a bunch of guys. He, he told them in spring training, if you don't have business in that clubhouse, I don't want to see you in the lunchroom. I don't want to see you in the clubhouse. I don't want to see you in the trainer's room. I don't want to see you in the manager's office unless you have something specific to bring you in there. And when it comes time to going over scouting reports and you have all that analytic information, there's one guy who's in there all the time in, in terms of presenting some of this information uh, who presents that information. It's not five, six guys taking over the physical space at the clubhouse. You know, obviously Chris being a former player, he realizes how important that physical space is to have the players feel like it's their own. So listen, I don't want to overstate it. It's not like these guys are going back in time and and dismissing anything analytic. They're not. Uh, But I think both these organizations have done a really good job balancing things. Yeah. And that's a credit to Mike Hazen and, and to, and to Chris Young, when you were empowered to do that, um, it shows. Hey Amen. I mean, uh, and I got to know CY pretty well during the uh, uh, COVID era, and uh, he, we we would be on the phone a lot. I've actually got a, um, um, a file within my email, just my conversations with him during that time. I was so pleased when he got this opportunity. He's that good, 
And what you just told me is not um, surprising whatsoever. The fact that he dictated exactly how this is going to be done and what he said and how he's doing it to me is absolutely the right way to do it. I think what's going to happen uh, with the success of both of these teams uh, and whoever really wins, and there's going to be an analytical shift in general. Uh, analytics is very flexible. It's not it's not this uh, perfect method of doing things that uh, you, you pick up analytics for dummies and you read the book and all of a sudden you, you could be an analyst. Uh, analyst. Um, my point is that whatever works for the team that wins, and to say the Diamondbacks win, you're going to see a greater shift in base running, base stealing, uh, moving runners. You're going to see a more like literally small ball kind of a uh, method, and that's and the analytics that the organization is going to uh, create uh, is going to uh, dictate be dictated by these different elements in the game, and not just the home run and the strikeout and the walk. So uh, I'm in a, I'm very curious about this. Analytics is, like I said, very flexible. It's fluid. It's not this this perfect uh, science. So uh, I think just based on even just how far the Diamondbacks have gotten this year. It's going to influence, impact analytical methods because the number that the numbers that are generated are generated because of the different weight that you apply to each thing you're attempting to break down. So I'm curious about that. It'd be wonderful to really see the game. Just say, let's just say, the game in the analytical world become uh, one, uh, become embraced into a situation where the, the word analytics primarily is the problem. It's not actually analytics themselves. The, the numbers, the data, we all want that. We've wanted that for years. That's not the problem. It's the word, the name, the the, the, the the analytics. And with that interference in the clubhouse, too many guys downstairs, too much information, um, people that have never done it before running uh, these meetings as opposed to people that have done it for 15, 20, 30 years. That's the problem. It's not the information. The problem is um, the analytical world and how it wants to present and interfere it's not the information itself. Yeah, I, if I'm an organization, uh, I'm telling my scouts go find me Corbin Carroll's out there. You know, give me guys who can run, mm-hmm. who can defend. Mm-hmm. I and mean, lefties don't bother him. Listen, he's a special player. I get that, but I'm talking about a skilled package now, rather than putting you know some refrigerators out there who can play defense and a shift and you know <laughs> worry about uh, three true outcomes. <laughs> give me guys who can move, move the baseball, move on the bases, and that's Arizona. It should be a fun series to watch because of that. The style of play. I think it it makes for very entertaining baseball. We're going to take a quick break. We'll talk about the managers, of course, and some of the managerial changes and openings going on around the game. There's a lot, and we'll dive into that next. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. (sighs) Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot, 
The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. All right, Joe, you've, you've managed against Bruce Bochy. I mean, what is it about this guy? I mean, he has won, get this, 14 of his last 15 postseason series. He is undefeated in winner-take-all games. He has the best record of all time in managers in one-run games in the postseason. You know, he's out of the game for a few years. He shows up in Texas, and they're in the World Series. I mean, come on. This guy, is he's got the magic touch. So you, you've managed against him. What is it about Boach? Well, you know, the, the thing is with Boach, just uh, you have to stay ahead. You have to, first of all, think with him and stay ahead of his thought process if you can. And one, number two, then you have to have the uh, appropriate pieces within your group in order to counteract whatever he wants to do, whether it's a pinch hitter. Primarily, it would be a pinch hitter because the moves are primarily based on bullpen management. Uh, the moves aren't necessarily based on their side pinch hitting, and the moves aren't necessarily um, these these unique defenses or like you're talking. We're talking about the base running hit and runs, um, you know, whether safety squeeze, whatever. It's not about that. The primary genius with him, I think, is in game bullpen management and staying ahead and having the appropriate pieces to do that with. And then I think that he just engenders this real uh, calm among his group. Um, he is the Marlboro man. He is John Wayne. Uh, he walks out to the mound. He's hurting, but he gets out there and he's very direct and, um, and sure of what he's doing and how he's doing. It. And I think the players feel all of that. So it's not like there's a, a, a super genius in the game itself regarding all a bunch of different things, but I think he appeals to a wide audience regarding the players and how they, when he talks to them, he's kind of an impressive uh, figure. So they're going to listen to what he has to say. But in game, um, uh, in order to combat him, in a sense, you have to have pieces, enough pieces, I would say, primarily to hopefully get the um, platoon advantage, as they say, somehow, with the relief pitchers that he's going to bring in. Because he's going to bring in the correct relief pitcher to pitch to your better guy or the hot guy in a situation um, because he's going to be in advance of the moment. Yeah, I, I think you hit all the things that, that I've seen, especially bullpen management. He's so good. You know, where Rob Thompson stayed on Craig Kimbrell probably a game too long, mm -hmm. you saw Bruce Bochy get off a of Rolls Chapman. Mm -hmm. You know, he had uh, spores in the game to pitch to Jordan Alvarez instead of Chapman, and it was the right thing to do. So he's not afraid. If you got a veteran guy, it's the right thing to do. He's going to make the move. And yeah, he has this. He doesn't miss anything in the dugout. He's just on top of things. So I think he. he to me, he's a tough guy to manage against. On the other side, Tori Lovello. Uh, you know, when I saw him bunt down one on the road in the postseason, that told me a lot. That told me he's he's going to do what he thinks is right. Uh, players love playing for Tori. He's got a great relationship with Mike Hazending back to the Boston days. Um, when I see a team like Arizona, I'm sure, Joe, you, you see this. And to me, it reminds me of your Rays team back in 08. You can see when a team has bought in where they believe that they are going to win, not just think they're going to win, but truly believe, even if they're in a situation, no one expected, at least on the outside. And I think Tory's had the ability um, to have his team buy in. And right now they're dangerous because they believe or they know they're a really good team. I'll tell you, you just, um, you hit on something there inadvertently, the union between the manager and the general manager is so important. Um, I had it with the, I had it with Andrew and I had it with, um, Theo in Chicago. And when you have that, when you truly, when you're in the dugout and you truly know whomever is watching from upstairs is we're on the same page, he's got your back, all those kind of things. You make uh, decisions uh, uh, in, in a more blink-like manner, in a more in, a, in the moment kind of a manner intuitively, because you, you, you're not worried about conversations afterwards. You're just 
They're just worried about trying to make the right move in the moment. I totally believe uh, the fact the way CY uh, researched Boach and brought him back, he had that from day one. Uh, when you have that uh, feeling, that thought, that, that again, that union, um, wow, it, it, it matters so much in regards to just how you process the day, how you live the day, how you think the day, and the conversations can actually become more difficult or, or, or harsher in a sense because you can argue a little bit. You can disagree because you know you, you, you're working from the same sheet of music. Same thing with um, Tori and, and um, Arizona. These guys are definitely in lockstep. They, they, they actually they have the same philosophies on things, but I'm, I'm betting they're not afraid to disagree and argue back and forth with one another because I think that is so healthy. I had that, definitely had that with Andrew, had it with Theo for a while. Uh, in Arizona, I was trying to nurture that. I mean, excuse me, uh, Anaheim was trying to nurture that. We never had enough time to really get to that point. But I think that's what you're seeing uh, with these two organizations, um, the, the definite uh, union between the manager and the general manager and how that matters so much regarding how things operate in the clubhouse. And that makes, my goodness, that makes everything, I don't know right, right word is easier, but it definitely makes it better. Great, great point. I mean, listen, I hadn't thought about it until you went into really depth there, but it's true. It's the most important relationship in baseball. And Chris Young, when he hired Bruce Bochy, said, I'm not hiring you because I played for you, because they were together in San Diego, I believe. I'm not hiring you because I played for you. I'm hiring you because you're the best manager. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're the best manager for this team. Mm -hmm. uh, and it shows. Uh, Dusty Baker. He, he's hanging it up as far as managing 26 years, managing just an unbelievable career, a hall of fame resume. I don't know what's going to happen with that Houston job, Joe. They may go external. Mm -hmm. I think the influence that Craig Biggio and, and Jeff Bagwell have in that organization right now tends me to believe that uh, they want, they want a strong name. They want someone with experience as well. I, I don't think it, they're looking for, you know, a guy out of analytics school, some young guy, the next hot shot. I think they're, <laughs> They should lean on experience. Um, I, I think that run for the Astros is getting near its end only because of some of the contracts they have with guys like Altuve and Bregman coming up. We'll see. We you never count out that team, but that's a, an interesting opening. You've got uh, San Diego now. How about Bob Melvin was under contract to the Padres, and they said, yeah, sure, go ahead, talk to the Giants. Obviously, that must have been in place, uh, and they, they jumped on Bob Melvin. Listen, no secret that when we talk about, you just talked about the relationship between the manager and the GM, right? Mm -hmm. It was not good, folks. It was right. not good in San Diego. They were bringing Bob Melvin back only because he was under contract for next year. They didn't want to pay him to go away. So when the Giants came around and they said, oh, you want to take him? Take him. So I think San Diego is going to go young and cheap when it comes to the manager job. Uh, maybe that's Ryan Flaherty, which uh, we all know. He's back in the Baltimore days, connections with Manny Machado. Um so that, that's interesting there. And then you've got Craig Council out there interviewing with the New York Mets, which is not a surprise. Uh, I don't know what Craig really wants in his heart of hearts. Does he want the big contract? Does he want a big market? He's a guy who obviously grew up in Milwaukee, uh, around the Milwaukee area, and he's looking to leave, it sounds like. So difficult to know. I don't think the Mets are a great fit for Craig Council for a lot of reasons, but the fact is the Mets we know can put a lot of money on the table. And if that's what he wants, the Mets can satisfy him. So a lot churning in the waters here. I know Cleveland had talked about Craig Council, which would be a great fit, but uh, are they going to pay him? I don't know. Uh, they were paying Terry Francona pretty well. So a lot going on. So Joe, that's that's the landscape. Give me your take on it and your perspective, and maybe there's a fit for you out there. Well, first of all, uh, I think with uh, Craig, uh, this is an opportunity, uh, probably once in a lifetime as a manager, that he could really set up his family uh, for, for for years to come and forever, pretty much. So he needs to consider that. I think um, if in fact he can get a, a very similar contract in a Milwaukee or a Cleveland uh, in, in uh, comparison to what he could get for the Mets. I think he would take that. I don't think he uh, he's going to want to walk into New York under those circumstances, everything going on there, uh, unless it's such a disparate difference be between the amount of money paid by those smaller market uh, teams compared to the large market team. Just, you know, I, you know, just for a couple, three, four years, maybe something like that. Um, uh, he's always going to get all the resources necessary to win right there. But then again, you have to you have to also include 
the daily grind of, of plan, you know, managing the match, the New York media, uh, the expectations, all the, the pressure, whatever you want to describe it as. So I, I think that there's going to be some kind of a sliding scale there based on uh, the amount of money being offered and compared to, uh, you know, the, the more uh, similar lifestyle that he's left to, uh, lived to this point or taking on uh, kind of a beast situation where he's never been through this before as a manager. So um, when you're able to set your family up, and I'm, I'm talking from experience with the Rays versus the Cubs, I had to do that. I had to do that because I was 60 or 61 at that time. He's in his early 50s, which provides you know a longer uh, window in regards to making earning money, but does he want to do it that long? So all these things would be a consideration for him. He's going to be attractive to everybody. So it's going to be his choice. And I, what, what is motivating him right now? Um, that's going to be very, uh, strong consideration. And also the advice he's getting, I don't know, from his agent, his family, whatever, also is going to play into it. Uh, the dusty situation, I don't blame him. I think he's, he's, you know, he's done everything he possibly could there. I think he did a great job. He was, he was, uh, the right man for the moment. They, they did well by choosing him and, uh, there's, he has other interests and that's that I could say that from experience too. the other interest component matters. If you have something, you, you just can't just stop doing something and, and kind of be bored, uh, you know, cause I have nothing else that I'm really, uh, really compassionate about or passionate about. Um, yeah, you have to be able to have that to slide back into. And I know Dusty does that. So that's going to be an easy transition for him. I think so. Cleveland, I I don't know what's going on there. San Diego, I agree. I agree. They're going to, they're going to probably go something young. The fact that he's had so many different managers over a short period of time, he wants to, he's going to have to, I think AJ is going to have to find somebody that he really can be mentally in lockstep with philosophically that they, he knows this. He's not, they're not, it's not a wondering, is this going to work? I know this is going to work out based on my relationship with whomever this person is going into this moment. I think that's going to be important. I think there's a certain amount of control that he's going to want over this, the, the manager's um, seat. And I, again, a younger guy that he can grow with literally, I think is going to be important. So for me, uh, any, any kind of um, uh, direct relationship for me, something that really looks um, uh, as a good fit for me, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Cause again, we everything we've been talking about it's there's such a uh, a real uh, threading of a needle that needs to be done and the fact that Bobby went all the way up to San Francisco obviously there was that the, the, there wasn't going to work in San Diego so I don't know I, I just don't know how I'm viewed uh, from outside looking in you know a couple of years ago it would have been easy to say yes I was going to just jump on something new and and different and I'm, I'm ready to go but I, i've said it before and i don't know just conversationally how i would be appealing to somebody else it would have to be it would require uh, going into an office or whatever sitting down and talking but it has to be uh, the, the the draw's got to be from that side to me as opposed to me to them i'd have to hear that first because that's the only way this is going to work for me yeah i think we're seeing here with these managers in the postseason actually the last couple of years experience does matter but again it gets back to that relationship you, you spoke about so well between the general manager and the manager aj preller by the way had that guy already and jace tingler he knew jace from texas knew him really well that was the one guy you thought they were okay we got a, a really strong relationship there and that didn't work out you know the team kind of collapsed down the stretch and he had to get off him it's it's unusual to see a general manager be able to get so many hires in terms of managers and have them not work out it's a very interesting situation there in San Diego mm-hmm. um they're probably going to trade Juan Soto this off season they're going to reduce the payroll so that that window is starting to close on San Diego so I'm not sure if that is a great job at this point or it's a job that you grow in and becomes a great job again uh, that's an interesting job. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Mets job is interesting, Joe, because I, I'm not sure Craig Council is dying to to go to New York for all those reasons you talked about. It's it's not Milwaukee. We all know that. The team is in a transition period, and I'm not even sure where they're transitioning to, but there's a lot of unknowns in that job. But as you said, if if Steve Cohen is going to pay him money that no one else is going to come close to, I think he will take that job. I do think that job requires experience. Uh, he's a great manager. He's Craig Council. I have no problem hiring him. I would lean also, if it's not Council, to someone who knows the New York landscape, someone like a Don Mattingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tough job to drop in somebody who, A, doesn't have experience, and, B, 
doesn't know what New York is about because it's easy to get blindsided there by how fast and loud things are. <laughs> so it's interesting the way it plays out. But again, looking at these two managers getting their teams here to the World Series, experience matters. Playing a you know a game that has a lot of varieties to win a game, I think both Texas and Arizona, Arizona especially, can win a game in different paths. And that's why I think this is a different World Series. And the managers have a lot to do with that. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, you can't discount any of that. That's right on. Um, that's been you know, part of my concern is the fact that um, the, the manager has been relegated to a, a lesser role. But like you're suggesting right now, uh, you know, whether it was the Phillies right now or the, the Rangers or the Diamondbacks, uh, the teams that have concluded and gotten to this far, um, uh, a lot of experience there. A lot, I think Robbie's not managed a long time, Thompson, but Robbie's been around for a long time as a third base coach and a first uh, lieutenant kind of a thing. It's, it's just different, man. It's just different. Um, you know, when the game begins, it's not, it's not overwhelming. Um, I talked about it even the Sage commercial about being able to slow things down, um, prep in, in advance. Uh, I can't tell you how much my previous experiences uh, come to the forefront mentally during these different playoff games and moments and situations, whether, whether it's the actual game, it's before the game, it's conversations, uh, the tough conversations that are necessary. Like you said, when, uh, he's not going to pitch Chapman versus I'm going to continue to pitch Kimbrell. I told you we've talked about the time when I had to tell Jason Hayward he wasn't starting in San Francisco. Not happy. But when he came in the office, I told him exactly what was going on and exactly why. And you have to have the cachet and the ability to do those kind of things to really these. Listen, this, this is this is a I don't want to say tight in the in the sense that is um, pressure tight. Um, everybody's uh, on pins and needles on the edge in a sense. Uh, you're playing in front of the world, uh, baseball world, basically, and it's really highly charged. And how you how you deal with these guys in those moments is an absolute difference maker. So um, there's a lot goes into this. And yes, I honestly unequivocally believe that the the experiences I had to the moment that I had to do these kind of things absolutely paid off and came to the forefront. That blank moment, the intuitive moment, is absolutely necessary in these situations. Well, folks, stick around with us throughout the World Series here. We'll be able to break it down for you. You've got Joe, World Series winning manager. I will be down with Fox on the field throughout these games and behind the scenes in the clubhouse with the manager. So if you want information, you're not going to going to get anywhere else. Keep listening, folks, to the Book of Joe podcast. We'll be back with you, I'm guessing, probably after the first couple of games in Texas. And uh, I think it's going to be a long series. I do think it's a, at least a six, probably a seven-game series. I think the teams are that close. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. And for now, I look forward to what Joe always does at the end of our episodes, and that is to put a cap on it. Our closer, Joe Madden, who do you got today? Where are you going? I have um, Ralph Ellison, Invisible Man. It's a book I read, I think, collegiately at Lafayette. Uh, I don't know if it was required reading or not, uh, but it's uh, pretty much addressed many of these social issues faced by African-Americans in the early 21st century. I really enjoyed it. And it's so weird, like you read things and, and you don't even realize the impact it has on your intellect or your method of thinking. But, and I think it's germane. It's, I was thinking about the Diamondbacks and everything we're just talking about right now. Uh, here it is. Life is to be lived, not controlled. And humanity is won by continuing to play in the face of certain defeat. Uh, Ralph Ellison, good book, man. A really interesting book. Well, obviously not, can't say it's well ahead of the time it was necessary at the time that he wrote it. So uh, I love that uh, life to be lived and not controlled. I'm so uh, and, and anti-controlling uh, situations that uh, it's none of your business to control them. And humanity is won by continuing to play in the face of certain defeat. I mean, whoever thought Arizona would come back in that situation, who thought the Rangers would go back to Texas, uh, to Houston, and, and win that series. So uh, love that kind of stuff. Love that kind of human spirit. And uh, it's it's not you have to be fearless. There's no weakness involved. There's a, a certain courage involved in this. Ellison uh, wrote that way. I mean, this book came out in the '50s, I believe. So it was really impactful for me. Very apropos. Again, Diamondbacks fast and loose. There you go. That's exactly how they're playing. We'll see you next time, Joe. Thanks. All right, All right brother. Have a good time. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 